gospel, according to Mark chapter 6, 1 through 13, reads as follows. Then he went out from there and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get all these things? And what wisdom is this which has given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they offended at him. They were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hand on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. And then he called the twelve unto himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, and to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, wherever place you enter the house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be no more tolerable for, it will be more tolerable for Solomon and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they casted out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. God's word for God's people. God's people said amen. amen. Uh, for the time that uh, we're going to spend together, I want to talk about the dangers of old thinking. The dangers of old thinking. I have a uh, favorite musician uh, producer. He's a, a, a very accomplished gentleman, and I, I, he's my favorite probably because I get to work next to him every now and then. And so he's become one of my favorites. His name is uh, Leon Lewis. And uh, Leon Lewis has produced quite a few albums and worked for a whole bunch of people. And uh, I got a chance to work with him when I worked as an audio engineer at Windsor Village United Methodist Church before going into ministry. And one thing that I always remembered about Leon is Leon said, you might be more talented than I am. You might know more about music than I do, but you will never out-prepare me. You will never out-prepare me. I will prepare as long as possible in order to be ready for the work. And because of the preparation that he put in, he was often called to play for very famous people and still plays for very famous people. But what I took from that is that the mindset, the approach that he put to the work is how he became as accomplished of a musician as he is. And it's the mindset of the people 
that I think about often when I get to know somebody. I want to see what kind of thinking do they do. How do they approach certain things? How do they operate in certain ways? It's not necessarily about their accomplishments. I'm more concerned about how they think. Amen? Amen. And uh, Jesus, in the gospel according to Mark, has encountered some bad thinking. He encountered some, some malice, some, some, some hostility, some uh, people who literally thought they were better than him. They had hostility towards him because they resented the fact that this hometown boy had acquired so much wisdom and power. But I understand that the people of Nazareth knew only a little bit about him. Yes, that was his hometown, but they obviously didn't know Jesus like we know Jesus. They obviously didn't know because they only thought about him in a certain way. Uh, and because they didn't know Jesus or they knew little about him, they limited his power. And because they limited his power, they lost his presence. See, uh, Jesus came from a family of carpenters, and the Greek is pronounced tecton. And a lot of scholars go back and forth over what that actually means. Some people have tried to say it was a master carpenter. Others have said other things. But most of the research I've done basically put him as a woodworker. And woodworkers were not necessarily there to build entire houses because entire houses were not all made of wood back then. So they could call in the carpenter, right, uh, to maybe build the floor, maybe do some door frames, some window frames, but he wouldn't necessarily have to build the entire house. Uh, a, a carpenter of Jesus' caliber, a tecton, they weren't starving. They, they weren't uh, uh, the equivalent of a day laborer. They did all right, but they weren't necessarily the top notch. And sometimes bad thinking can allow us to be put in a box or people to put us in a box. You'll be around people that want you to be okay, just not better than them. They put you in a particular box and so because he would have been that kind of carpenter, uh, he wouldn't have had what they thought was enough time to be proficient in the law. They thought he wouldn't have had enough time to learn enough to teach in a synagogue, so they put him in a box. There are people who will resent us trying to better ourselves because they're used to whatever level we're on. So they don't want us to go back to school. They don't want us to get any kind of certifications. They don't want us to read certain books. They don't want us to get a better job. They don't want us to move out the hood. They don't want you in charge of a ministry. Where you are when you meet them is where uh, uh, they want you to stay. They want to remind you of where you came from and it's bad thinking because they want you to stay there. And that is why in the text, another reason they called him the son of Mary. Uh, we hold Mary in high regard. But at that time, that's one of those 
veiled insults. They mention Mary in the text to overlook his father and talk about his mother. Now, I remember growing up, uh, we used to call it joning, and, and, and the uh, generation before me, they called it shooting the dozens when you would talk about somebody. But uh, whenever you mentioned mothers, that meant you didn't want to talk anymore. That meant you wanted to fight. a veiled insult. You can talk about a lot of stuff, but if you talk about my mama. So this Jesus, the son of Mary, was a veiled insult. They were insulting this man that came back to this hometown and was coming to cast out demons and heal the sick and raise the dead. And they were like, no, we know you. We know who you were. And because we know who you were, we don't care who you are. That's old thinking. That's dangerous. And because they treated Jesus like that, they missed out on some of the things that he could do. But furthermore, this this lack of the, 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 the referring to him as the son of Mary was furthermore an insult because they were disrespecting his father. And, uh, Fathers are important, but not only fathers are important, but male role models are important. Whenever you want a society to fall, you attack the men. You leave the women and children to themselves because that will allow for a, uh, uh, them to grow up in a vacuum. But you attack the men. I once read a report that uh, indicated how uh, since prisons are for profit now, they have to make a, a, a bottom line and the only way they can make their money is to make sure that the prisons are populated. They calculated how, how many people they were going to have in prison by the time this is the, the intended person was in seventh grade. They looked around and they basically said if a young, especially a young man, especially a young black man. If they were in seventh grade, no father in the home, and failing in math and science, they could pretty much calculate that that young man was going to jail. And they were pretty accurate in predicting this. And we may not be able to, for whatever situation, the father may not be in the home, but there's, no, there's still opportunity to find male influences. It may not have to be the father. I grew up in what one could consider a single parent home, not as many as others, because I knew where my father was and I saw him every other weekend, but my mother still made sure to keep me in front of other strong male role models and she never disrespected my father in front of me. Uh, the lack of a father figure is the downfall of the community. When you remove male role models from a young man, you teach him to hate. You teach him to hate his fellow man. Ignoring the father when they called him the son of, Mar- uh, son of Mary was an insult to his character and his mother's character and his father's character. 
they were seriously attacking him with this kind of thinking. It was a layered insult. And I'm a student of psychology, and they say that in, in psychology, the past behavior is the greatest indicator of your future behavior. And I believe that. But I also believe that God is greater than modern psychology. So a situation like that, when you look at past behavior, when you look at old thinking, yes, if you continue that line of thinking, bad things are going to happen. But if you allow Jesus to move into your life, Jesus can overcome that old thinking. We'll be a new creature and all things will have passed away. Which is why whenever we want to get out of a situation, whenever we want to elevate ourselves, whenever we want to get out of who we were and become who God wants us to be, we can't do it by ourselves. We need the help of God. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. That old thinking caused the people to lose out. They missed an opportunity to experience Jesus. But in spite of that old thinking, in spite of what happened, in spite of these people insulting Jesus and attacking his character, he didn't stop. You read the gospel according to Mark, it doesn't stop at uh, chapter 6, verse 6. Jesus kept going. Jesus put a team together and sent them out two by two. And they had assignments. I heard someone once say that the difference between a witness and a disciple is that the disciple goes on to carry about the business of the kingdom. They went in pairs. And some scholars say they want one reason they went is for safety. And another one said is uh, because you need more than one witness to prove a case. If you look at Numbers 35 and 30 and Deuteronomy 19, 15 and, and then even 2 Corinthians 13 and 1, they all talk about whenever you need to prove a case, you need more than one person to say that. So if you had two people coming to tell you about the goodness of Jesus, it would have been more believable than if one person went by themselves. So the 12 had their assignments and they went out and they cast out demons just like Jesus did. The gospel according to Mark is heavy on exorcism. Jesus casted out demons, so did his disciples. We have to realize that in this day and time, especially in this day and time, that we are not just operating in the natural. We have to deal with the supernatural. We have to deal with the spiritual. That's the only way we'll be able to handle the natural is if we've got the supernatural behind us. We have to speak to the spirit of the situation. We have to pray. We have to read our Bible. We have to go to church because it's spiritual, not just natural. Your natural strength fades. Don't care how strong you are, how fast you run, that all fades. But God. And then I like that he told them to take no 
food, money, or extra clothes when he sent out. They were to depend on God for their lodging. And told them to take no second tunic because that second tunic, if they didn't find a place to stay, they might have been able to stay outside and still keep warm. They were to conduct their mission completely dependent upon God. This also prevented them from taking extra baggage. I've uh, had an opportunity to travel every now and then, and I've learned, especially with the uh, TSA uh, situation, that the less baggage you have on you, <laughs> the easier it is to get through security. Now, there are some times, you know, when um, you can't help it. You're going somewhere, you're going to have to stay there for a couple of days. Uh, and you have to take extra baggage. But if it's a turnaround trip, like I'm about to start doing this set for this coming semester, back and forth to Dallas for class, I can't take too many bags. That'll lengthen my trip. It'll be difficult, and I'll have some unnecessary attachments. And I like that it also uh, says not to take extra baggage because you look at all these, per these disciples, and they all had different professions. Fishermen, tax collector, all these different professions. Some of them might have had a little more means than others. Some of them might have had a little better paying job, possibly better clothes. But if they went down to the essentials and just preached Jesus, that would have been the focus. Not how much money they had beforehand. Not their supposed status. We are all equal in Christ. Amen. So this lack of extra baggage, these extra clothes, extra money, where they could have still depended on themselves. Here, they are forced to do the work of Jesus and depend on Jesus. The more baggage you take, the more difficult it is to work. And so they casted out demons and they took no extra food or money or extra clothes because they had to depend on Jesus and they operated not by their own authority. Jesus gave them the authority to operate. He sent them out, Jesus that is, and he commanded them they were operating under Jesus, and we ought to do that a little more often. Amen. Operate under Jesus as opposed to our own power. Yeah. And they were told to condemn these unbelieving cities. And as I was researching this, shake the dust off, I learned something. I learned something every time I, I, I research or prepare for a sermon, but I learned something that I, I had not considered this shaking the dust off the feet was a lot more than just shaking the dust off the feet. You get the dust off from under your sandals, but in order to do that, you would have had to have shook the dust off of your clothes first. 
And under normal circumstances, shaking the dust off your clothes was a normal thing to do apparently back then. But shaking the dust off of your feet was to show them just that much more that they didn't need to be around them. See, the ministry of Jesus, uh, it can be accepted or refused. We can expect some people to be hospitable. And we can expect some people not to care what we have to say in any way, shape, or form, and that's okay. We preach Jesus, and we keep it moving. Because that, that, is, that is the joy of, of, of being a Christian. We're able to accept or reject. We have free will. This is not something that's already played out that we are programmed to go through. We have to accept what Christ has to offer. He's big enough to handle if we reject it. But I don't know if we're big enough to handle being rejected. And so these people went out casting out demons and preaching the gospel and healing the sick. But they didn't hold on to old thinking. It's, it's uh, a phrase I often hear uh, regarding managing people's perceptions. And I think what would have happened if the disciples saw Jesus get rejected and decided that that was not what they needed to do? What would have happened if they saw, oh, well, you know, you really didn't heal that many people. You didn't do that much in your own hometown and if you're not good in your own hometown then you're probably not going to be anywhere good where you're a stranger but they didn't hold on to that thinking they didn't let that bother them you can't spend time dwelling on your failures you can learn from them but you can't keep replaying them in your head because if you allow, if you allow yourself to focus on the past that much that's going to limit your future success. And because the disciples and because Jesus were able to shake off that old thinking and keep pressing towards the mark, we're here today. 2,000 years later, because they pressed towards the mark, because they did not quit, because they did not take that old thinking with all the accomplishments, the people got healed because they turned their minds to God. With the right mindset, you won't need lots of money or other material things. With the right mindset, you can go and spread the good news of Christ Jesus all over the world. The disciples were able to do great things, not on their own, but because they had turned themselves to the right mindset of Christ. They were able to heal the sick and cast out demons and preach the gospel based on the authority given to Jesus in the right mindset. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.